0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Safari Zoo News. You're a look at everything going on in the world of zoos and conservation and all that good animal stuff. Uh, I am excited to have you here for what is the next to last Zoo News of the year, uh, because that's, that's, well, that's how dates work. That's, that's why that's the case. And so, uh, yeah, welcome. I uh, thought I'd start off by telling you a little bit about kind of my current situation. I am recording this in my living room, not my normal location, but hard not to when there's a Christmas tree set up with a bunch of animal ornaments on it and uh, a roaring fire and a sleeping puppy or two uh, and presents under the tree. And it's it's just a really nice, nice time to be home. And um. A lot of you know that that's, that's pretty exciting that I'm home right now because I have had a wildly crazy year and now it is finally calming down with, with a whole uh, 10 days to go left in the year and uh, I'm starting to enjoy the, the calmness a little bit. So it's nice to be bringing you Zoo News from such a chill and, and festive location. I also know that you're all champing at the bit to find out how Under the Sun, my original show, went. Uh, it debuted in Atlantic City at the Hard Rock Casino on Saturday, as you have all heard me talking about. And uh, y'all, I gotta tell you, it was a real success. Both performances were way better attended than we expected, and... Um, People seemed to really love the show. A lot of people came up to me uh, throughout the casino and were telling me how great it was and um all of the the team involved really rose to the occasion. It was it was honestly, I'm not going to lie, uh the the couple of days leading up to the show were some of the most stressed I have ever been. Um you know, just trying to do all the things and, and have my own show happen for the first time. But at the end of the day, uh, it was a success, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I think we got some great footage and some great audio, and we're putting together some promo materials, and um, hopefully we'll be taking this bad boy out on the road soon. So uh, keep your ears on the pod and your eyes uh, on my various social medias to find out more about that, but... I got to tell y'all, I am real, real proud of what we did on that stage and uh, how we all came together to make make something special happen. I sincerely doubt that this will be the last time that I, I come up with something like this because uh, now I know that I can do it. Whereas before, I thought I might poop my pants and run off stage. But uh, hey, that's not what professionals do, right? So I didn't. Probably. Most of you weren't there. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so everything was good there. Now, I have to tell you that, you know, my location is good. The show was good. The news this week, is not so good. I'm not going to lie. Um, there, There's actually... There's plenty of good stuff in this episode, but uh, there's a whole lot of really bad news this week. There are some really, really crappy things that have come out in the last week. And uh, so, full transparency, I'm going to start off with uh, those sad, bad stories. And I mean we're talking a lot of stories y'all we are talking let's see here one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven bad or sad stories so um brace yourself some are short some are a little bit longer but uh at the end of the day we're gonna start off with a bunch of just not happy stuff so you know there is the skip forward button if you feel the need I understand but uh you know we try to be real with it and talk about all the different sides of of, of this world. And, and unfortunately, there's, there's some sad stuff out there. Um, yeah. So I have given you your fair warning and uh, I think it's about time to get to it. But quick reminder that if you do see any stories that you think would be good for Zoo News, you can tag me in them at Ross Safari on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Ross Safari pod on TikTok. Make sure you're following along on all those places. Of course, make sure you hit subscribe, uh, leave ratings, leave reviews. They help people find the podcast. Don't ding points because the news is bad. That's not my fault. I promise. And uh, yeah, all right, let's get to it. All right, so we're going to start off with our bad news brigade, um, and that starts out uh, at Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens, where on Thursday at 5 p.m., one of the North American black bears at the zoo escaped its exhibit and engaged with a zookeeper behind the scenes. The keeper was able to make an emergency radio call, and the lethal weapons team responded immediately. Because a zookeeper was involved and in danger, and the zoo values human lives over animal lives, the bear was shot and killed. There will be an upcoming investigation on exactly what happened, and the zoo has not released any details on whether the keeper is okay or not. Uh, I have heard from some people that the keeper was injured, but I am not sure of how much or even if those sources are accurate. And, um, yeah, so this is just a really sad situation. Uh, There's a lot of backlash happening online, people saying that, you know, if If they are going to take care of animals, then there shouldn 't be a lethal weapons team and all that kind of stuff. I do not agree with that. I believe that the zoo probably did exactly what it had to do, and hopefully the keeper is going to be okay uh, but this is just a real tragedy and um definitely a a uh a pockmark on a, a facility that is a a wonderful facility and does amazing work uh so it's just a real shame and condolences to everyone at jacksonville and uh I hope that the keeper is okay and will keep you updated uh if they announce more information about what happened there and uh in fact, this is not the only time that a animal had to be shot this week, although at least this one wasn't uh, in the United States. But um, there were chimpanzees who escaped a zoo in Sweden, the Furuvik Zoo, and uh, for the same reason, uh, they were posing a threat to people, so they were shot and killed. The chimpanzees escaped their exhibit around noon local time, on Wednesday, and they began to freely roam around the zoo. The zoo is closed for the season, so no members of the public were there, but zoo uh, keepers and other staff were obviously there, and the uh, staff was evacuated and ordered to stay indoors. Um, considering that chimpanzees are rather forceful and can can cause some trouble, and that tranquilizations can take up to 10 minutes to be effective if... Uh, The Trank dart is, you know, shot properly and aimed properly and everything. Uh, A decision was made to shoot the chimpanzees. Um, two of the chimpanzees who were shot are Linda and Torsen, who were, uh, fairly popular animals at the zoo and, um, Santino and Manda, two other chimpanzees there, uh, are feared dead. But as of my recording of this, they're not entirely sure yet. Uh, this sounds like just a really big mess and, um, it's just really sad to hear all of this happening this week. And since I'm guessing that most of my listeners have not heard of the Furevik Zoo, um, I did want to point out that it is considered a very good zoo. In fact, it is EASA accredited, which is um, the European Association of Zoos and Aquariums and similar to the AZA in the United States, although the AZA is an international organization, but most of the AZA zoos are found in the US and Canada. Uh, so, yeah, it's a good zoo, and this is just two horrible stories that happened in the same week. Um, and we're, we're not done with those, although uh, we are done with the, the shooting of zoo animals stories. So, progress. Now we're going to head over to Longleat, a zoo in uh, the United Kingdom, where we were recently celebrating the birth of two red panda cubs. And unfortunately, we now have to mourn the loss of both Red Panda Cubs. Um, Officials have not said exactly what happened yet. Uh, but both cubs were were found dead in the morning, um, and in talking to some red panda zookeepers and trying to understand what is happening, uh, what I have been told is that as red pandas are weaning, it is very important to make sure that you are tracking their weights daily, that they are getting the nutrition that they need, and also to make sure that they are not in as cold of environment as they normally would be found, because the weaning process can be very hard on red pandas the uk was experiencing a very very frigid cold snap and uh, multiple red panda keepers that i spoke to believe that uh, probably they should have been not left you know in their habitat and should have been taken to a heated area but that uh during the weaning process uh if you don't do that this kind of thing can happen and um unfortunately both cubs like i said were were found dead And, um, an investigation is ongoing. So condolences to everyone at Longleat. And, uh, please let this be a reminder to all of my Red Panda Keeper fans and and anyone who loves Red Pandas and, and Red Panda Cubs that, um, the weaning process is incredibly difficult for them and, and extra care needs to be taken. Whether that ends up being what happened at Longleat or not, I mean, it's still a good message to put out there. So, uh, Good to remember and and condolences to Longleat for these just terrible losses. Next, we have to say goodbye to Rudy Valentino, North America's oldest male orangutan, who uh, until recently was living at the Houston Zoo. Um, Rudy just recently turned 45 years old, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Age got to Rudy, and he is now gone. And, uh, you know, it is, it is a very sad story, though, admittedly, this is one of those things that, that could definitely be expected. Um, part of what makes this so sad and so tragic is that this is not the only elderly orangutan that we lost this week. The Como Zoo announced the passing of Amanda, a female hybrid orangutan who was humanely euthanized at the age of 46 years old. Um, unfortunately, uh, she had been showing a lot of discomfort, lethargy, and, um, a lack of appetite, and, uh, scientists at the University of Minnesota discovered a mass in her body that caused chronic damage to her kidneys. Um, it couldn't be removed, and there was really no chance that she was going to have any kind of quality of life, so the decision was made to, uh, euthanize, unfortunately. Amanda is described as a very playful and intelligent uh, orangutan who really loved listening to music. Uh, So condolences to all of the staff at Como Zoo, especially to Amanda's keepers. Sticking with the sad stories, but at least these are elderly animals that we're talking about now, the Buffalo Zoo recently announced the passing of North American river otter daisy. Uh, Daisy was a 17-year-old otter who lived with Rascal, a 15-year-old male, at the zoo. Um, and just to give you a little idea here, um, the median life expectancy for North American river otters in managed care, which is already higher than out in the wild, is uh, 2.3 years, and less than 2% of all otters reach age 17 in captivity. So that is still a beautiful story, even though it is really, really sad to hear that, that Daisy is gone. Um, there are two other North American river otters, Mindy and Poppy, who live at the Buffalo Zoo. And so Rascal is just going to be introduced to them, and assuming that goes well, will live out the rest of his... life uh, at the Buffalo Zoo. But uh, for now, we just have to say goodbye to Daisy. Lily the Striped Skunk at Naples Zoo has also passed on. Lily was also an elderly animal who, over the last bunch of years, was closely monitored for age-related medical concerns, including chronic renal disease. Um, and But she'd been doing everything really well. She was still doing—she wasn't even a retired ambassador animal. She was popping up at different places to meet people, and she was doing shows, and she was doing— All the really cool things until she really couldn't anymore. And um, so they retired her from from jobs just in the last couple of weeks. And uh, things just kept getting worse. And so they decided they had to euthanize Lily. The average lifespan of a striped skunk is seven years old. But Lily was 11 and doing quite well right until the end so another great example of an animal living much longer than you would expect and having a wonderful great life at a zoo but now we have to be sad and say goodbye to lily so goodbye lily and uh yeah the goodbyes keep coming actually um Zoo Knoxville recently announced that Polly, one of their elderly rhinos, passed away. Now, if you have listened to my episodes with Tiffany James at Zoo Knoxville, then you know that Polly was a big-hearted, big-spirited, kind of crotchety, but awesome old rhino. And uh, I know this one has been very hard on Tiffany and, and everyone at the zoo there. Um, and it's, it's just heartbreaking to see all of this happening in one week. Uh, but but Polly, Polly was a great rhino and, and really, really had a good impact on the, uh, the people who got to see her and especially the keepers that got to work with her. So condolences to everyone at Zoo Knoxville for the loss of Polly. And now it is also time to say goodbye to an animal who didn't live in a zoo but lived right near one and had become iconic in its own right. Recently, uh, P-22 was euthanized. P-22 is an iconic mountain lion who lived in Griffith Park in Hollywood, Los Angeles, California. Um, the same place the Los Angeles Zoo is, the same park that the Hollywood sign is in. That's right. There was a mountain line that made... That park, its home, and this has been a very famous mountain lion. Um, there have been all kinds of studies done, and and th- people have tried to understand it. This is a cat who would regularly streak across a very busy ten lane highway with no issue, and uh, continue to uh, live its life. It was wildly elusive in the park; like people would see it, but even when scientists were looking for P twenty two, they often had a very hard time uh, finding it, and. And um, yeah, this has just become one of those cool stories of, you know, humans and wildlife like not conflicting and getting along and everything being fine for years and years and years. Until recently, when P-22 was hit by a car and ran off into the wild to to try to recover. Um, the team from the California Department of Fish and Wildlife teamed up with the veterinary team at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park to um, tranquilize uh, P-22 and uh, give, give a CT scan, and they um, Boy, there was a lot of problems going on. Uh, along with the damage from the car strike, um, it turned out that P22 had stage 2 kidney failure, had definitely not been eating, and was down to a weight of about 90 pounds from uh, a healthy weight of about 125 um, and a hernia causing abdominal organs to fill his chest cavity. Um, oh, and also a parasitic skin infection uh, that was probably uh, transmitted to him by a domestic cat that got loose in the park. Uh, P22 was also suffering from heart disease and some other stuff and then got hit by a car. So um, this was probably a long time coming and but it's really sad uh for people who followed the story of p22 and for scientists and uh you know los angelinos and everything uh, this is an iconic iconic animal and it is heartbreaking that p22 is gone and especially went down in this fashion Uh, but there are a whole lot of people that are going to be missing p22 so in Berlin, there was a large aquarium known as the Aquadom. Now, this is not an aquarium in the sense of like Adventure Aquarium or, you know, Monterey Bay Aquarium. This was a hotel that had an insanely large single tank aquarium in it. It was a freestanding 82-foot um, tall cylindrical tank uh, that um, – just held almost 1,500 fish. And uh, you'll notice I'm talking in the past tense here. And that is because the aquarium burst and sent all of the water and all of the fish flying out uh, onto the street of Berlin. Um, Workers were able to save anywhere, depending on different reports, from... 80 to 500 of the 1500 fish, but uh, at least a thousand fish lost their lives in this incredible accident. Um, and this has had some repercussions. Uh, a lot of press have been reaching out to places like new England aquarium, uh, which also has a very large cylindrical tank asking if the same thing could happen there. And, um, just, you know, generally checking in on the aquariums and seeing what's going on, making sure that everything is okay there. Uh, this type of tank is not the type of tank that is used in, you know, accredited aquariums. Uh, this would not happen at uh, you know New England Aquarium or any other accredited place. Even I'm not saying that there's no way that an aquarium could fail or that you know the glass could break or anything. But specifically, what happened here just couldn't happen for a variety of reasons, um, including that those tanks have reinforced concrete structures around them and stuff. They're not freestanding, so. Um, yeah it's it's just it's such a shame and uh most of the press uh from the Aquadom was focused on the fact that there was very little damage done to any humans because it happened early in the morning and people weren't around and so um honestly it seemed like a lot of the press was basically saying hey good news this happened at a good time and not accounting for the thousand or more fish that died which is is sad um but yeah it's just another unfortunate story which we just seem to be full of this week is anybody still listening i'm just just asking um and then okay so this is the last sad story uh but and it's not it's not as sad it's definitely not as sad but the memphis zoo has announced that their 20 year loan of their two giant pandas from china is coming to an end And uh, that China has not decided to renew the loan as the research projects being done uh, on the Pandas have been completed. So within the next few months, Yaya and Lele will be making their way back to China to continue their lives there. Um, Already, uh, anti-captivity people are claiming that this is because the bears were mistreated and, you know, looked unhealthy and stuff. You may remember if you've been listening for a while that there has been some very falsely drummed up controversy over these pandas because they don't look uh, exactly like the most traditional pandas look. Um, However, the Chinese government has checked on it and experts in the U.S. have checked on it and and the pandas are fine. Everything is fine. This is the natural conclusion of the loan. And just like happened in San Diego at the San Diego Zoo, um, they just weren't able to come to terms for a new loan at this time. Uh, However, the Memphis Zoo has announced that they do plan on trying to find projects that will once again bring giant pandas to the Memphis Zoo. But for now, this is the end of an era. Okay. We did it. We survived the bad news. Uh, let's get to some, some not bad news. Uh, the Trevor Zoo at Millbrook has announced the winning name of their name, their red panda cub contest. I was hoping for Jay-Z for Junior Zoo, Ju, but we did not win. Uh, the name that won is. Sandy. So the next time that you go to the Trevor Zoo, you can not only say hello to Zhu and, of course, to the mother of Sandy, Betsy, but you can also say hi to Sandy and, and see Sandy. So that's really exciting. And from one of the youngest pandas in captivity in the U.S., we go to the oldest. Our friends at the Cape May County Park and Zoo uh, have announced that Luna the red panda has been dealing with a chronic and stubborn nasal infection for the past couple of months. Uh, as such, um, the veterinary team and keepers were, you know, taking steps to try to mitigate that, but they were not clearing up. So they partnered with North Star Veterinary Specialty Hospital in Robbinsville, New Jersey, uh, to get a CT scan and other diagnostic tests and treatments. The visit was a success, and Luna is already doing better. Uh, she is currently on some new medications that seem to really be helping out and is uh, expected to make a full recovery. Well, keep in mind, Luna is 21 years old and the oldest panda uh, in in the U.S., and um, so, you know, time still may be limited. Go see Luna if you can. But uh, for now, it seems like the old girl's doing okay. Of course she is. She's a queen. She's perfect. We all know this. The San Diego Zoo recently announced that Alba, an Andean bear at the zoo, recently gave birth to not one, but two Andean bear cubs, also known as bearlets, right? Bearlets? Yeah, I like it. Uh, this is actually the second time that um, there have been Andy and Bear twins born at the San Diego Zoo, which is awesome. And um, Alba is fully denned up with the Bear cubs, where she will probably be for the next few months. But keepers are observing the family using closed-circuit television and can't intercede if anything seems to be going wrong. But as for now, this just seems like a really happy story out of the San Diego Zoo. And while I don't normally just announce a bunch of births because animals are always being born at zoos, we've had a rough go of it so far this episode. So I'm also going to announce that the Staten Island Zoo has announced the birth of a southern tamandua named Ernest. Uh, Ernest is the son of first-time mom, CJ, and dad, Gus, and uh, if you go to the Staten Island Zoo's Facebook or Instagram pages, you will see some videos really focusing on the tiny but also not tiny tongue of a baby, Tamandua, and it is definitely worth a look. The Toledo Zoo in Toledo, Ohio, has announced that they will be having an elephant born. In 2024, because they were able to use a successful form of artificial insemination to get one of their elephants pregnant. The mother is Renee, an African elephant, who has actually had two successful AI pregnancies before this one. So it's just really cool to uh, see that kind of thing happening repeatedly at great zoos like the Toledo Zoo. And you may notice that I said that uh, Renee is due to give birth in 2024. That is because an elephant pregnancy lasts around 23 months. The Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, in conjunction with the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm Oil, has announced their 2022 Holidays Orangutan-Friendly Guide, trying to help you figure out which companies you should buy your holiday candies from because they are using sustainable palm oil. Uh, You can go check it out on any of their social media things, Um, but some of the names popping up there are Dunkin' Donuts, Swiss Miss, Pepsi, Coke, Starbucks, Target, Kirkland, Reese's, M&M's. Uh, Betty Crocker, Jell-O, Ben & Jerry's, uh, Act 2 Popcorn, Orville Redenbacher Popcorn, and more. So lots of, lots of good companies on there that you can support, and uh, know that you're supporting sustainable palm oil. And you know how important that is after listening to one of my recent episodes. Unless you listened to a different recent episode which says it's not that important. Isn't conservation fun? And then last but not least in zoo news, I wanted to give a quick update on something I mentioned last week, which is that USA Today has announced their best zoo lights for 2022, and the list is as follows. Number one, Cincinnati Zoo. Number two, Toledo Zoo. Number three, Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. Number four, Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. Number five, Indianapolis Zoo. Number six, Philadelphia Zoo. Number seven, uh, Zoo Miami. Number eight, Dallas Zoo. nine, St. Louis Zoo, and number 10, Living Desert Zoo and Gardens in Palm Desert, California. So congrats to all the winners for having more people vote for you than voted for anybody else, even though we all know it really doesn't matter. But yay, congrats. Conservation, conservation, news time, oh yeah. I would like to start off conservation news this week by um, correcting something from last week. So last week I was talking about the fact that Shine Fashion is the most popular fashion brand uh, for a lot of young ladies right now. And um, apparently uh, it is pronounced she-in. Even though it is spelled kind of like shine, it is she-in fashion. And I guess it's kind of a play off the idea of she-in fashion i don't know i don't support them i don't really care what their name means but i don't want to confuse anybody and um so if you're buying she in fashion uh there are a lot of reasons not to that you can hear in last week's episode okay let's move on from that um the big cat public safety act which i mentioned recently passed the senate has now officially been signed into law by president biden uh, there was no doubt that this was going to happen so um You know, it's not making the headlines that it did when it passed the Senate, which was a question, but uh, it is now officially law. And that is really awesome and really important. So, yay, Big Cat Public Safety Act. And actually, that's not all that Congress has done correctly lately, as the U.S. Congress uh, banned shark fin buying and selling in the United States. Um, shark finning is a huge issue that leads to all kinds of conservation issues for sharks. And uh, now that it is banned in the United States with other countries possibly poised to follow, uh, hopefully that industry will die off and sharks will, you know, stop dying off. Close to 200 countries reached an agreement on Monday of this week to try to stem the loss of nature worldwide by pledging to protect nearly a third of the Earth's land and oceans as a refuge for the planet's remaining wild plants and animals by the end of the 2020s, which is actually pretty impressive. Um, This happened at the UN Biodiversity Summit called COP15. And um, we'll see how seriously it's gets taken. But it's a cool idea, and hopefully this actually works out. We've all seen things like the Paris Climate Accord, which, you know, certain presidents just decided to pull out of. I won't say any names, which is probably sad for them as they like to have them up on their buildings and stuff. But so, yeah, a lot of things can go wrong with this. But it is a really promising and hopeful uh, step to try to save biodiversity in a crazy time, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services has announced that biologists at White Sulphur Springs National Fish Hatchery in West Virginia recently released some hatchery-raised candy darters into the wild for the first time ever. Candy darters are really beautiful fish— and, um, this was accomplished, uh, because hatchery staff was able to try out some new methods for the care of the fish, uh, which had not been able to be hatched and raised successfully, uh, to the point of release before. Um, so this is really, uh, exciting as, as there are many conservation efforts ongoing right now to try to, um, help save the candy darters. So this is, this is a really big step for, uh, for them and, um, it's cool that, you know, there are like fish hatcheries and stuff where people are just trying new things and trying to to make it work and get the stuff done. And this is just a really cool step in the right direction. Uh, next, I'd like to talk about the movie Avatar, The Way of Water. I've not seen it. I probably will. Um, And I know there is some controversy about this right now where um, indigenous people are encouraging people to boycott the movie and there's there's a lot of drama about that and I'm not – Getting into that right here, but I do recommend that you look into that before you go see the movie and, you know, make your own judgment. What I am here to tell you is that um, Disney uh, is um, supporting the Nature Conservancy. Uh, to protect a bunch of animals in the oceans and to protect uh, the oceans themselves uh, by raising a lot of money and, and pumping a lot of money into conservation efforts, all in the name of Avatar. And of course, they say to go to avatar.com to, to learn more about the efforts that they're doing, and that'll just take you to the movie website. But yeah, there is this push with the Nature Conservancy and with Disney to, to try to raise money and pump a bunch of money into uh, helping to save the oceans. Which is a cool thing and honestly is kind of what I hoped uh, would have happened with Turning Red before it became less of a thing than I think a lot of us were hoping it would be uh, with Red Pandas. But, you know, regardless of what you think of, you know, the controversy with Avatar or just what you think of the movie, it's always good to hear that, um, you know, something in the pop culture world is is helping out the conservation world. It has long been known that female mason wasps uh, use their stingers whenever they feel threatened. Unfortunately, it's only females that have stingers because stingers actually evolved from a female egg-laying organ called an ovipositor. Uh, However, it turns out that mason wasps, as well as some other species, well, their males actually have... Uh, a bit of a defense mechanism as well that was only recently discovered. It turns out that some male wasps have a pair of sharp spikes on their genitalia that they can use to ward off predators in a similar fashion to how female wasps use their stingers. Um, Yeah, they will actually uh, stab at frogs and other predators uh, with spines on their genitalia to try to stop them from, you know, Eating them. So that's just a fun little fact for y'all. And last but not least, in other news this week, a um, man in Australia, because of course this happened in Australia, has gone viral after uh, posting pictures of a spider that he has decided to let live in his house with his family for over a year now and plans to continue to do so when the spider is roughly the size of a human face. Uh, So this is an Australian house spider. And they are really, really, really big. Um, and they are mildly venomous. But uh, were it to bite a human, it would not cause much damage and it would be very short-term damage. But also they don't like to attack humans. They would much prefer to run away. So, um, when this gentleman named Jake uh, first saw this huge spider in his house, he decided to let it live there. And um, – because his son Jack and daughter Bella were a little afraid of a spider that was, you know, bigger than their heads living there, they named it Charlotte. And so now Charlotte lives in the house with Jake and his family, and they are friends, and he has gone viral. And uh, this is the kind of story that would have scared me before I stopped being an arachnophobe, um, and actually would probably still scare me were i to walk into that house i mean the spider is the size of a head i just you just don't see that kind of thing i guess except in australia where i guess you 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 do but yeah so so that's it for other news and um to all my arachnophobes that listen i i apologize All right, so I mentioned this last week, but there aren't a whole lot of animal holidays for you uh, towards the end of December. But on the 27th, it is Visit the Zoo Day. So, uh, wait a minute. I thought that was every day. I'm confused. And then on the 28th, it is the U.S. Endangered Species Act Anniversary Day. And those are your kind of animal kind of holidays for the week. There you have it, folks. Another week of Safari Zoo News, and uh, grateful to all of you for being here. I'm especially grateful to my red panda level patrons, Lara Shank, and welcoming to the team, Kristen Dickey. Welcome, Kristen. And remember, you too can support the podcast by going to Patreon.com/Rossafari, and for as little as three dollars a month, you can contribute to the ongoing success of this podcast. I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who contributed stories this week, and there were so many of you. Honestly, I'm sorry I couldn't get to all of them, but the episode was going long. Some will probably make it in next week. But thank you to Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Holly Page, Liz Dunleavy, Kristen Khalil, Crystal Chapman, Bridget Kinder, Paul Somo, Laura Shank, and Cindy Ritter. Thank you all so very much. And... Remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray.